This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yeah, we're going to continue to struggle with that as a, as a whole in the outdoor category. And the, this introduction of more and more technology. And one of our partners on the OKS Hunter podcast is a technology company they're kind of like stretching the limits of what's even possible to do with mapping applications. It's really cool, but I don't care how much you use that. You're not putting boots on the ground. Like it's not going to kill the deer. So there is a line that'll emerge somewhere. Like that's going to be too far, but it's going to continue to happen. I think where, where deer hunting work gets really unique is that you're taking a life. There's a level of ethics involved there that doesn't exist elsewhere. That comes into question. Like if you're using this technology to help you take a life, like it just, has a different tone than catching a fish or you know anything else camping or hiking or whatever you're going to do like there's there's a life involved there so it, it takes a different approach because you have to have a fair chase component and i agree with that i'm not saying you don't i just know that at some point there's going to continue to be more and more controversy around what that looks like hey everyone welcome back to this week's show we are uh lined up with a great guest today, Mr. Eric Clark from the OKest Hunter podcast. And uh, Eric and his crew have been doing some really good stuff, putting out some great content. and got a lot of new stuff coming down the pipe and uh, here shortly. And um, um, really, you need to go check them out. Check them out on all their social media pages and, and definitely subscribe to their YouTube channel. Uh, me and Eric had a, a great conversation about a bunch of different things you know kind of how they get started um with the podcast and growing that and and just kind of branching off from that and all the different shows they're going to be coming out with and and stuff and talking about you know some controversial things in the hunting industry and and um and getting into merchandise and and just all these different different things that uh we we had a lot to talk about so um great show uh really hope you enjoy this one and uh, let's jump right into this week's show with Eric Clark of OKS Hunter Podcast. You know, I guess, I don't know if we should call this the, the OKS Impact Outdoors Podcast Show today or what, but we got uh, my buddy Eric Clark on the show. Welcome, Eric. Hey, How are thanks. you doing? Yeah. 
doing good. Just getting ready for trade shows and uh, this is like the I don't know if I want to even call it the calm before the storm because it's not necessarily calm, but next week's going to be a mad dash. So it's yep. got a lot We're, to do in a short amount of time. Y'all have got some stuff you're going to. Where y'all headed to next week? Uh, next week we're doing for the first time ever for us we're doing the Iowa Deer Classic. So we got a, a 10 by 20 booth that our uh, buddy Greg is building, and uh, we got to get that finished up this weekend. So nothing like the last minute. Nice. <laughs> we yep. got uh, new merch getting shipped out our way from our vendors and suppliers. So we got uh, a lot of stuff to kind of get ready here. Yeah, trade shows are always uh, a little bit hectic trying to get everything ready for them, especially these days when you're uh, waiting on usually somebody else to ship stuff to you. But uh, yeah. um, I've done my fair share of them. And, and uh, I know over time you'll figure out like the absolute best way to build a booth that breaks down in like five minutes and just pushes right out of the showroom floor. Um, but, uh, we did, we did, we did the fishing show, the Houston fish show down here a bunch. We do it every year for a program I do, but, um, we end up coming up with some way of just making the booth on rollers. And this, when we got oh. done, we just piled everything onto it, put everything in and pushed it out and was done in like two trips. So, but it's tough. So, well, that's cool. Iowa deer class. That's a big show. A lot of people will be there and hopefully y'all do really well. So, but you're currently the, the, what's your title with okay Hunter? Are you the lead host or are y'all just all kind of the, the same? You've got um, your buddies, Greg and, and uh, the other Derek, I guess on there is mostly yep. um, helping yep. with that. So I love that show. Y'all are so laid back and, 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 and provide a lot of cool information that everybody can use and, and, uh, just fun to listen to y'all's y'all's podcast. So kind of, I guess, tell us about how that started. I know you've been doing a whole bunch of stuff in this, this field, I guess for a while, but, uh, tell us kind of how you got into all this. Yeah. I don't know. My I joke, my buddy's a bit of a nerd. <clears throat> Even still today, I got into his car, you know, to, I don't know, we were doing something. We went somewhere and he, had his iPhone plugged into his car. And I was like, what, what, is, like, what are you listening to? It was sound like a radio station, like talk radio. And uh, he's like, that's a podcast about World of Warcraft. <laughs> I'm like, what's a podcast? And, and World of Warcraft, you freaking nerd. Of course, that's what you're listening to. But he, <clears throat> I didn't even know what a podcast was. And I had just started my app uh, or like was in process of getting it going. Uh, the Where to Hunt app, which helped hunters identify occupied and unoccupied hunting land based on active users. Kind of like the ways uh, driving app, but for deer hunting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at the time I was working in, uh, for a web agency and, uh, SEO was all the rave still is to some degree, but where to hunt was like literally one of the top searched search terms or keywords. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I got the name, which is not super creative. And then, um, I thought, well, the next progressive move here after the podcast or after the Facebook community was uh, built up to like 10,000, I thought, well, let's, Launch a podcast and really kind of lean into this community and connect with them through this channel, uh, this audio channel, talk about deer hunting. I could talk to other business owners and people that I want to learn from and invite them into my podcast. And I would really, after the end of the podcast, I would nod their ear off for 30, 40 minutes about how can I, how can I grow my business? And um, I probably piss a lot of people off because they don't have the time for that. But yeah, and after doing that for some time, I just, you know, I always got on the offense pretty quick. A good, a good defense is a good offense. And I just told people like, like I don't have big bucks on my walls. I'm not like the best hunter. I'm no expert. I'm just trying to learn. So I'm talking to people that I think I can learn from. And in doing so, I started to call myself the OKS hunter. And we called ourselves the OKS podcast in the Midwest. 
So it was still weird to hunt. But then suddenly this other thing started to kind of birth. And um, I met this guy, Tyler, who was a listener of the Where to Hunt podcast, got coffee with him. He happened to live like not far from me in our town here. And uh, he's a pretty sharp guy. And I was like, hey, I've been sitting on this idea for a while. I have a domain name. I collect a lot of domain names. Do you want to go in on this with me? I don't have time to do it by myself. The big lesson coming out of 2018 into 2019 was I can't I can't continue to do stuff on my own. I need to bring people to help because yep. it's just not feasible. I'll burn out. And he's like, Yeah, I, I totally get it. I relate to this, you know, mantra of okayness. And I, I totally uh agree with that. And I think I'm one of those two. So we launched an Instagram page in uh late 2019. It kind of started to catch. Uh we launched a bonfire campaign, which is just like a a Teespring or a t-shirt site where, you know, if you get 10 sales, the deal goes live. If you don't, it doesn't. So we set a minimum threshold for like 10 or 20 shirts. We hit the threshold to deal with a lot of people got our stuff. And then we took some of that money and parlayed it into buying a Shopify site. And then 2020 of June or June of 2020, we launched officially as an LLC, launched our new site, our new logo, brand concept, all that stuff. And, yep. uh, I think it was right around that same time. I think it was June 2020 or July, somewhere in there. We converted Where to Hunt podcast into the OKS Hunter podcast. And Where to Hunt um, got some grant funding from the state of Wisconsin. So, you know, I didn't want to keep confusing people. <laughs> so we just deprecated or sunsetted the Where to Hunt brand into Outland, O-U-T-L-N-D, which is still being worked on. And then uh, OKS Hunter. So it's two different businesses. Completely, they're not related in any way, shape, or form. Um, and Tyler helps run OKS Hunteries. We're co-owners 50-50 right down the middle. And on the podcast side, Greg came on board back when it was still uh, Where to Hunt. And uh, he recruited Derek somewhere along the way. And uh, Derek showed up once for a po- he did He was a guest on the Where to Hunt podcast a while back. And then he at some point came into the studio and did an episode with us as OKS Hunter. And I was like, hey man, you seem like a pretty nice guy. You're welcome to come here every single Tuesday if you want to. <clears throat> and then that's just kind of how it's grown. And now I got this Fred Bear drawing behind me that Derek drew. And you know, he's he's been uh, quite the fixture for us, him and Greg. And we got more people kind of piling in here. Uh, other friends of friends that are starting to kind of jump in on the brand and help. We have a, a staff of freelance writers that we um, you know pay to help write blog articles. We have social media influencers that help contribute content. Like we got quite the machine running now. We got a, a <laughs> hired a a producer so we just started our first like youtube show um our first season's called we'll see how it goes that just went live like two weeks ago so that was like a really exciting thing and yeah we, we're trying to fire on all cylinders and so far as what i would consider a media company media yeah, company y'all, yeah i've got a ton of stuff going on so actually just i just read the article that came out today i guess about um some turkey tactics and stuff um and uh you know i mean that's all good information for for people and and um, you know, being able to to get that out there. I mean, that's the, the main thing. Being able to work with other people, um, having them help and, and provide input and stuff just helps broaden that that uh, approach to to getting out there. So, um, so this this whole podcast and like I never thought I would ever start a podcast. You know, and and we we started ours in 2019. Kind of had the idea in 2018 before COVID happened, which seems like yep. a lot of them sprouted out of that time period, but you know, kind of like you, I didn't know what it was. My wife apparently listened to him for a long time before I ever knew about him. She's like, you're driving a lot. You should find some shows to listen to. And so I was like, well, it's on my phone. So I'll, I'll flip, flip through there and find a couple. And I did and really, really got into that and stuff. And then 
two years later, you know, we've got, we started this thing and, and, uh, been really blessed to have some really, some really great guests on and stuff, but it's just, I don't know, like it's probably for you too, but you know, mine, um, I just love hearing people tell stories about how they got into the outdoors and, and things like that. And just what, what they're passionate about. And, and I think that's what people want to listen to. They just want to listen to stories and, and, and things and, and hear, um, good things that people were doing in the, in the, not just the outdoor world, but all over the place. I mean, I've interviewed people in Australia and Germany and most of them here in the U S but I mean, everybody's got a story to tell. I mean, is that kind of how you see it too? Yeah, I think, you know, um, the, the podcast space has definitely become a lot more saturated and I don't think that's inherently a bad thing. I think it's fine. I think over time we'll see that start to get consolidated. I think folks that started to thinking it'd be fun or easier, they'd get free product or money will, you know, get fatigue if that doesn't happen and they'll drop off. And the ones that try hard and put out good content will probably get gobbled up by bigger brands or they'll grow into big brand themselves. So over the next few years, I expect to see some consolidation in the marketplace with it. But, you know, I always try to think, um, <clears throat> I read a book, uh, probably in 2020 or 2019 called play bigger it was referred to me by a friend of mine, Brad, uh, Luttrell with, uh, go wild. He's the, one of the co-founders over there. He's always recommending really good books or he's not even doing it directly. He'll just indirectly talk about a book and I'll pick it up because he's a pretty sharp guy. And that book at one point talked about doing things different, not better. They talked about Apple. They talked about five hour energy. And when five hour energy came on to the market, they're like, why would you make another energy drink? There's Red Bull, there's Monster, there's you know, all these energy drinks, there's coffee, like no one wants another energy drink. He's like, well, this is not one that goes in the refrigerated section. This is not one you have to consume a bunch of liquid. So you're, gonna have, you're not going to have to go to the bathroom a hundred times on a road trip. Yeah. This sits at the front of the counter. It's not better than you know, Rockstar. It's not better than Red Bull. It's just different. And it gives you something similar. Like it gives you that kick of energy that you need in a different way. So I thought, you know, how do we do something different? And uh, we're not going to do working class bow hunter BS and better than working class bow hunter. We're not going to do uh, MSU Deer Lab. We're not going to do scientific deer studies. We're not going to do Garrett Prawl DIY better than Garrett Prawl. But I thought we we can be lighthearted, fun, come as you are. Uh, but we also have a live call-in feature. So the, the reason we broadcast our show live, two reasons. is One, it makes my life easier from a post-production standpoint. It's yeah. just once, when it's done, it's done. I don't have to sit there and mess with stuff anymore and build out the episode with audio files, which is how I used to do it. And and furthermore, by broadcasting live at the same day, same time every week, listeners know and can expect and anticipate when to hear us. And we have a phone number and a call queue um, with an auto attendant that will like take our calls, park them in a queue, and we can bring callers in. And for me, podcasts have always been a one-way dialogue. It's a one-way street of communication. I, as a listener, you're just, people are talking at you. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could like hear from our listeners, not just in comments, which is part of it too, but like, could they call us like an old time radio show? And so, you know, we don't take like hundreds of calls per month or anything wacky like that, but there, in most episodes, we're getting one to two phone calls from people we don't know. And some of them we do because they have like regular callers now, but every now and again, we'll get like long time listener, first time caller. And that's our, that's our different, you know, not better than I still don't see anyone doing that. Um, and maybe it's because it's, hard or difficult or it could be a little like intimidating about we've had prank callers call and tell us they've gotten a reach around by ted nugent or they banged sasquatch in the woods like weird stuff like that we just laugh and hang up as fast as we can um but i've added some tech technology tools or software tools to eliminate some of that shit but it's um yeah different not better i think is our approach to a lot of things our hunting show that we just launched on youtube and soon to be carbon tv is 
is different. It's not better than what else is out there. And I thought there's a lot of um, the same, a lot of the sea of same. And I don't think that's bad, but I'm like, I don't, we're not going to over dramatize our hunt. We're not going to like make it this, like at the end of the day, we're a bunch of idiots going to the woods to, to deer hunt yeah. and have fun and make memories. So like, let's just show the real life nature of that and bring people into our home, show what goes on there. Like me running around with a kid trying to find socks in my messy garage uh, that kind of stuff. So we kind of pitch it to our producer as like, let's make this like the office, but for deer hunting. And he's like, dude, I totally get it. Let's That's do it. A perfect and, way uh, to describe it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we're we're only two episodes in, three after this weekend, but I think the response we've gotten so far has been this is super unique. We the hunting industry needs this. I'm like, oh well, that's that's a good response. I mean, those aren't not my words, but yeah. So the the podcasting stuff, like it's fun. We drink bourbon, you know, like we we chop it up. Uh, we we get to talk to people real time. Like we had two callers last week on the show and they're sharing turkey hunting stories that, you know, are way better than the stories we're sharing amongst ourselves, me, Derek, and Greg's. You know, my, my, this guy called in, one of my buddies actually, and he's like, I didn't even know the story. He's my friend. I've known him forever and I didn't know he had gotten all torn up by a turkey, scratching the crap out of him, and he got all bloody and scratched up. Oh, man. And, <laughs> I got a turkey and he, his, his buddy says, looks like the turkey got you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. <laughs> so it's just fun to hear that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I really enjoy your podcast because of the community aspect of it. Yeah, if you uh, if you hunt turkeys at all, you're gonna have some stories about these these stupid birds, man, because they will drive you freaking crazy. And I don't know, it's kind of like hunting wild pigs down here in Texas. Like you can try to uh, pattern them and stuff, and then you show up in the woods to hunt, and it's totally different. So they're yeah. just gonna do something totally opposite, man. We were. Speaking of turkey stories, man, we were we were hunting up in Oklahoma one time where I'm originally from, and um, my buddy was with me, and I hope he'll listen to this because so, he this this was crazy. He had he had to leave by like eight thirty in the morning to go to work, and so we got up at six o'clock and we were out in the woods and we had roosted some birds the night before, and uh, so we got in there, we got pretty close, and uh, they were going crazy, and they flew down one crept out and we could kind of see him but couldn't get a shot on him and then another one we could see walking through the trees and this turkey looked like he was so injured like he had a complete leg fracture i mean just compound fracture on his leg he couldn't walk hardly and he's like that's the one we need to shoot and uh and that old gimpy bird he just kept staying behind the bushes and finally the other one walked out and we got him it was a, it ended up being a jake but we got him you know and um and we was like man it's like i wish we could have put that other one out of its misery or whatever yeah, go back. We get the bird clean. He goes home. We go back out later in the afternoon. Um, go to another spot. Hear a bird like one o'clock in the afternoon, and this thing's coming. And we're sitting down, and I see this thing walking up the road, and it's old Gimpy, just just barely able to make it up the road, man. And I don't know what happened. My buddy was with me, and he moved just ever so slightly. And of course, that turkey saw it. And I, of all the turkeys I've seen run away from me while I'm hunting. That bird probably ran the fastest I've ever seen a turkey run. <laughs> That's all Gimpy in front of. Oh man. So funny. I guess old Gimpy's still running around up there, but I mean it just shows you you never know about them things. So but turkey hunting's a blast, man. I mean, I, I got into hunting really late in life. Um probably just because I didn't want to spend any of my money on hunting because I was spending it all on fishing. Um, but I moved to Texas in like two thousand four and apparently it's like a sin if you don't hunt down here you know and and it's it's so different 
Texas than anywhere else. Uh, you know, where did you move from? Oklahoma City. So okay, but um, you know, we had family property up there that I was taking people to hunt on and stuff. But I just really never hunted before. Never had anybody really get me into it and. And so moved down here, you know, working for the wildlife department. And so everybody hunts and stuff. So I had opportunities that rise and, and they got me in and, and, um, ended up shooting my first deer, like, I guess 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Um, and, uh, that really sparked a whole nother passion now. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, kind of like, it's like, I'm just a regular guy. I'm not going out. I don't have the time to spend to go out and like chase these big things. Everything down here is private. So you have to have a deer lease or something to go on, you know? Yeah. And so that's how, how we're set up. We have a lease with, with their six people on it. And, um, we got this, uh, building that was made out of like cinder blocks and cement bags in like the 1950s that we use as our cabin and, and, uh, and hunt over there in the hill country, which is really cool. Um, but you know, you, it, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of how it rolls down here in Texas. Like it's so private. I don't know. Y'all are in Wisconsin, right? So yeah, there's um, a lot of public. Here. Yeah. So, I mean, you go up North yeah. and out, I mean, there's so much public land for the most part. Um, it's just totally different hunting. I mean, we've hunted public here a little bit for turkeys <laughs> and, and especially Eastern turkeys. And it, it's really tough just cause it's a very small season and very small amount of land. And, um, easy to get frustrated with you know because you're you're pretty much always going to run into somebody while you're out there so um did, have you got to do much turkey hunting the last two years or not i mean i've tried it actually for the first time ever last year and really didn't have any luck i did one sit and saw one bird that was too far and it was a it was a hen which i didn't have a tag for so i'm gonna be able to shoot her anyways but that was it and i haven't hunted i mean so turkey hunting is coming up soon i gotta get a leftover tag because i missed the boat on the the proper season and stuff so i'll try it again this year probably if i get an opportunity and uh i don't know i stay pretty busy i got three kids under the age of five so it's yeah. like i'm pretty obsessed with whitetail that's my that's my like kryptonite yeah and uh, it's already pretty hard on the family and then you got to throw on the fact that i'm also equally obsessed with business so then i'm trying to do all this stuff on top of it so like for my wife and and all that it doesn't really end and yeah. uh yeah. i'm like i'm gonna go turkey hunting too she's like jesus christ <laughs> and and like i haven't had that strong of an experience with yet for to be like bit by the bug I, so i think it, it can't happen but i'm also kind of okay with it for right now because i just i got enough going on yeah <laughs> so I, well i will say my wife never has had any uh um gumption to shoot a deer you know she she lets me take care of that or whatever and, but she went turkey hunting with me a couple times and we had a bird come in and we we I shot it and uh after we were done she was like i think i could kill a turkey <laughs> and so oh, we ended up, she went ahead and got her under head that later that year and she got a bird the next year and uh and that's the only time she's ever really wanted to go i mean she did it and got one and she was excited about it um yeah. but she doesn't hunt a lot i mean she likes going to the deer lease and stuff with us with the kids but my whole world now is basically turned into to the kids they're at the age now where they're starting to get into my daughter's been going with me since she was like four years old um she just got her first deer in missouri this past fall um at her grandma's farm which was just we've been working up to that for two years trying to get her an opportunity to to harvest something and and it it happened so um but she's got the bug bad like she loves you know just going out and hanging out there with dad and 
And uh, that's been the biggest blessing to me in the hunting arena lately is just being able to take the, the kids out and stuff. So hopefully, you know, how old are y'all's kids? I have three and one. Yeah, yeah. So you definitely got your hands full. So <laughs> yeah, you get such a pay raise when they get out of diapers that it's almost like you, you you almost have a second job that you're not doing anything for. So, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, one working his way out of diapers. The middle kid right now is finally trying to transition fully, and it's been a one step forward, two steps back kind of situation. So, currently, still two of them are in diapers, kind of, and yeah, it'll be before the third is out. He's only a year, so yeah, ways to go. Yeah. yeah, and then I don't know if y'all have to do it, but I mean, we have to use daycare down here because we don't have any family to help you know watch them during the day because they're both in school now, but freaking daycare is ridiculous i mean they oh, do yeah. a good good job and everything but man i mean we're paying thousand fifteen hundred bucks a month just for daycare for for the kids and stuff and that's why we all got to have these other other jobs <laughs> yeah my wife she stays at home which is hard it's a single income family household right now um so it's pretty tough yeah. uh actually like it's not it's not easy to then also have this desire to start a business <laughs> Like, you know, what's wrong with us? You know, it's just a, it's a weird thing. But yeah, daycare is like not affordable for three kids. Like straight up, it'd be more than our mortgage by a lot. And it's like, well, this is stupid. And if she gets a job, she'll be, we'll be underwater and then she'll not be spending time with our children and we'll be paying for someone else to kind of have the time with them. So it just doesn't make sense currently Yeah. for that, which, yeah, it's a common, common conversation, but it's also nice that she's home because, you know, I can kind of do, you know, my thing, um, you know, as long as she's not overdoing it with the, with the kids. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's tough, man. Um, but you make it work and uh yep. do do good by them and, and stuff and, and uh they uh our kids have been pretty blessed living down here, getting to to do all the cool stuff we got down here with the saltwater fishing and everything and and stuff. So I was like, Man, y'all are so lucky. He's like, I didn't have any of this when I was growing up, so <laughs> y'all are spoiled. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I was uh I don't been to texas once or twice i think i went to galveston or something um yeah. i was down there greg our, our my buddy and co-host to the podcast he's gearing up to go to florida uh, he's going to do some shore fishing on the gulf for for whatever i think he'll probably catch you know stingrays and sharks and whatever the hell else he's fishing for but he just did a podcast for we have the okay fisher podcast that we just launched now too and he's running that one uh with our buddy matt and they just talked to some guy that developed uh he has a company that makes products for shore fishing in the ocean and it sounds like it was a pretty good episode so that'll drop i think on monday uh but he's yeah. he's like just tooling up all of his gear getting his rod set up his line run all that jazz all his leaders and and all that so totally different world but it's cool that he's going to go down there to do some of that stuff he'll be down there for like a week so we're probably gonna see a lot of uh greg catching fish from the ocean content uh and then you know in the next month or so that's awesome look forward to seeing that so um well, you know, y'all's whole kind of mantra with the OKS Hunter thing, you know, you talk about it a lot with the deer shaming and, and all that stuff. And like nobody, I don't know, just, I mean, I've gotten some of that, you know, from some pictures I've posted online. I'm pretty picky about anything I post anymore these days on wherever it's at, you know, and not, not so much as about that, just kind of keeping some of that stuff you know, private, you know, this is just memories for the kids and, and us, but, um, um, 
it, it does get talked about a lot more now about, you know, acceptance of, you know, a trophy to somebody may not be a trophy to everybody, but to them, it's the best thing ever. Um, kind of what's your take on, on all that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got two kind of uh, dispositions around it. It's like, yeah, it's not overtly loud in that there's probably less of the genuine shaming happening in a public space where someone's saying you shouldn't have shot that or whatever. That still does happen um, from like keyboard cowboys and, and whatnot. Uh, and the loud tends to be, or the, the quiet, or geez, I can't think my, I can't get my words out. The, the negative tends to be the loudest thing you hear. You know, it's 1% of the, the news that's negative. It's, that's all you ever see. You never hear anything about good stuff happening. So that one comment is going to really tarnish someone, uh, someone's experience. But I, I would say that it's not just like buck shaming or deer shaming. It's people are shaming people for shooting jakes or for shooting with this weapon or that weapon or on this land or that land. There's literally <laughs> endless ways that people are kind of crafting arguments to say like you're not worthy or you're not as good as me or you didn't do it the right way or why are you doing it that way or that is wrong and at the end of the day if it's ethical and legal then who cares someone bought a tag it's their tag just mind your business and go hunt how you want to hunt you don't need to control like i can't even get myself to go to the gym what why do i think i would have be able to control what someone else does especially when it comes to something that has so much heritage around it um like hunting so that's that's one part of like the shaming side of things. Um, you know, the other is I, I just I think I'm like may have lost my thought here, but I pull a lot from Stoic philosophy, and I try to just be an exemplar of, of being good and kind. And and you know, if you don't have something nice to say, like don't say it at all. Um, you know, but what it, you know, what I'm going to say is that a lot of people this shaming has happened where it doesn't happen at all. And what I mean by that, it sounds like a really stupid thing to say, is that. The number of folks that have messaged our page or our brand or whatever, um, countless people say like, you know, thanks to you guys, I had the confidence to shoot that smaller buck or to post that picture of that doe. Um, whereas if it weren't for you guys, I wouldn't have shot it because I didn't think it was good enough because it wasn't a 150 inch deer that I see on YouTube channels and TV that everyone talks about and posts on social media. And therefore they're robbing themselves of an experience that they would otherwise have. And they need that experience to work their way up to the bigger deer. Yeah. You know, mature deer are really hard to kill for a reason. You don't just show up and get good at that overnight. That takes time and practice. And the, the practice actually happens in the form of executing against shooting probably a spike buck. And if you don't start here, if you get a giant deer out of the gate, good luck doing that ever again. You know, that was probably luck. And now your hunt is ruined to some degree. So, you know, the shaming that happens, it's kind of like the silent uh, impact where there's so many people that are affected by the industry of chasing antlers. Um, and I'm guilty of it. I, I want a big buck. I want to like, you know, one of my friends is Thomas. He, he's called, he calls himself the basement decorator. Like I want to decorate this room with, you know, deer that I can remember. And it would be, you know, some people, po you know, they'll, they'll pay for them out for a, a, you know, four point spike. And that's, that's great. I just the buck behind me is the first one I ever got with a bow on public land. Um, so 
damn right it's going on the wall. The next one I got with my bow happened to be the biggest deer I ever got. So I'm like, yeah, damn right it's going on the wall. Um, I, so I, I also think that people that shoot big deer get shamed because it's like, well, you know, did you really hunt it hard? Didn't you just get lucky? Or, you know, well, you're on private land, so of course you can get the big ones. Like the shaming happens across the board. It's not even that like we're protecting against little deer. It's just protecting the industry against ourselves. It's yeah. kind of how I look at it. Like the the neck shouldn't bite the head off. We're all part of the same community. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's enough threat happening outside of our community that we don't need to be turning to one another to have infighting happen. So we're just trying to like be this voice of positivity and remind folks like, you know, why you got into hunting, why you should like harken back to the first time you went as a kid and think about how magical that stuff was. That's how it needs to be all the time. And there's different stages of a hunter's journey. Someone might be at the tag out stage. Someone else might be at the trophy stage. Someone else might be at the sportsman stage. Like you never know where someone's at in their journey just because someone looks like they're 50 and maybe they are. Maybe they just started hunting a year or two ago. Like you just don't know. So it's kind of like, again, just shut your mouth and just say congratulations. Cause that's the only thing you need to tell someone when they post a picture of a deer is congratulations yeah. or tell me the story or something like that. Not, not you should have waited or let them grow or any of that jazz. You know, I think that's kind of our whole thing. And then we, we focus a lot on like just relatable content and we make a lot of mistakes in the woods and as everyone does. And so we just try to be relatable and show like we're trying to erode the, you know, the guy in the beautiful private land and this beautiful tree and this glorious setup using all of these brands with all these logos on the TV from when I was a kid. And you just thought that that's what it needed to be. And those, you know, they never showed the person messing up. And we're like, that's all we do is mess up. Everyone messes up. How do you think you learn? Yeah. So we want to make that normal. That like, that's no shit that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's okay. And you can laugh at yourself. And, is, and as long as you're learning and growing, like, that's fine. It's like one of the, one of my favorite shows to watch. Um, and he's passed, passed away now, but uh, was Tread Barda. Did you ever see his show, The Best and Worst Tread Barda? So it was on, yeah. I don't even remember what channel, Versus Network, whenever that was around before it was NBC Sports or whatever it is now. But uh, that dude, like 90% of his shows, he never he never killed anything or nothing. It was just about his struggle and, and journey on, on these hunts and stuff or fishing trips or whatever. And, and it was just something you, you never seen, you know, because, I mean, you watch Bill Dance growing up and he catches a 10-pound bass not not uh poking fun at bill but i mean every episode is like man that guy's got you know he's fishing probably in the best places but you know right now down here in texas um it's so bad um there's a guy by the name of josh jones who's basically sitting on one lake right now and and as a guide and and also you know he's he's like the lead the lead for this uh live scope you know fishing technology and uh, where they're using this for bass fishing, you know, finding, find these giant fish and he's catching 10, 12, 13 pound bass with him and his clients almost every day. And nobody's ever done this before. And so he's get he gets, I mean, I look at his page every day cause he posts all these big fish and he gets so much shame, shaming about it. And it's just like, do you think he's like swimming down? It's like, you, you can use whatever technology is available. I mean, that's what it's being built for, you know, and uh, there's so much controversy about that anyway, but, but I've used it a couple times and it, it's, it's still hard. You got to know what you're doing, but it's really fun to see your lure going down and, and getting in front of these fish and stuff. You still got to convince them, but it's almost like playing a video game while you're out on the water, but it's a cool, it's a cool thing, you know? 
Yeah, so. we're going to continue to struggle with that as a, as a whole in the outdoor category and the this introduction of more and more technology. You know, one of our partners on the OKS Hunter podcast is a technology company and they're kind of like stretching the limits of what's even possible to do with mapping applications. And it's really cool. But I don't care how much you use that. <laughs> you're not putting boots on the ground. It's like it's not going to kill the deer for you. Yeah. So there is a line that'll, that'll emerge somewhere like that's going to be too far. But it's going to continue to happen. I think where, where deer hunting work gets really unique is that you're, you're taking a life. There's a level of ethics involved there that doesn't exist elsewhere that comes into question. Like if you're using this technology to help you take a life, like it just has a different tone than catching a fish or, you know, anything else, camping or hiking or whatever you're going to do. Like there's, there's a life involved there. So mm-hmm. it, it takes a different approach because you have to have this fair chase component. And I agree with that. I'm not saying you don't. I just know that at some point there's going to continue to be more and more controversy around what that looks like, like, you know, live streaming cell cams. Like, do we need that? No, we do not need yeah. that. That's ridiculous. Um, is it cool to see? Sure. But then it should serve a different purpose, yeah. you know, but of course people want to use it to their advantage because if you think about what happens, if you kill a giant buck, you get recognition, you get likes, you get sponsorship dollars, you get products. So if you can consistently do that and boom, now all these companies want to line up to get in front of your audience because people are paying attention, like more people are going to flock to using that technology. Just like poachers will do sketchy, sketchy stuff because, well, I got to kill this big deer. So they're going to go out at night and do it and make it look like they did it during the daytime. Mm-hmm. And boom, like there's just more and more problems because of like you know, antlers. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a genuine issue that we need to continue to fight and, and problem solve around. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll always be an issue, but, uh, um, you know, I mean, our, our, our biggest thing is providing food. I mean, for our family, for, for first thing. And like this past season, you know, I was telling you earlier, my daughter shot her first deer and we usually go to Missouri around Columbia every year to my wife's mom's farm. And, and, um, I go out the first morning I hadn't even got to my blind and I, and I, and I always kick myself when I hunt up there because I got to buy non-resident tags and it's like 300 bucks to get a, a, a buck and a doe tag. Right. And so I buy these and then I'll sit there and I'll see something the first day and I won't shoot it. And then it comes to the end and then I never had another opportunity or something. So, you know, it's like, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't waste my money. I enjoy being out there in the woods, but I told myself this year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna shoot the first thing I see. I don't care what it is. I need some meat. Like we are completely out of venison and that's pretty much all we eat. And, uh, so basically got out, walked like 50 yards and all these does popped out in front of me. And I was like, well, I remember what I told myself. So I, I shot a doe and it was a huge doe. And, uh, so that was really cool. And, and go back out the, um, the next morning with my daughter and we both ended up shooting our bucks, filling our buck tags, like five minutes apart. It was the craziest hunt and it just made it so cool because it was our first one. And uh, so I didn't even end up shooting a deer off our deer lease here in Texas this year. I went, you know, several times, but it um, wasn't a big deal. I didn't need, didn't need any more meat, you know. I mean, I'm paying all this money to have this place, but I didn't have to shoot anything. Um, and we got some guys on the place that, like you're saying, like they, they, uh, they're in the stage of filling every tag every year, you know. And, uh, but um, I don't know. We'll see. We, we've had some really rough weather. It's like a lot of the country this past year with drought and stuff. So it, it was a tough year down here. We'll see how it is with the turkeys, but um, um, I'm excited to get back out 
this spring and chase some of those birds. So, but, um, so y'all, you mentioned y'all are doing uh, the trade shows and stuff. Talk a little bit about, I mean, y'all, how getting into the apparel business and shirts and hats and all that stuff, that's like a totally huge thing um, and not easy to do. I mean, how's that been for you guys? Has that been a pretty successful way to help support the business? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, You know, I believe in placing small bets. Like I'm not trying to, I really try to let the market speak to us. I don't, I don't, I used to hold a lot of subjectivity and think like, this is the one, or this is a good one, or this is going to move or whatever. And I, I'm so far from that perspective these days that I have no, it's not that I don't have any confidence in what I think, but I just, I don't put a lot of stake into that until I validate it with the market. So when I say place a small bet, I'm thinking like if you're at a craps table or you're, you know, you put a small amount down to see how it'll go. And if it starts to work, then a lot of people actually say double down. The, the correct term is double up. So we double up on things that work. And <clears throat> so we placed a small bet and, you know, did this bonfire campaign a long time ago in 2019. It worked. We sold. So we started a Shopify site and we had a revenue goal. We hit it and we're like, okay, this is working. But we we didn't, we started by uh, integrating our Shopify with a, uh, a brand or a company called Printful. So it was all dropship. So we didn't, we didn't have to touch any product. And, you know, that's, good in one way because it's you know we didn't have the time or wherewithal to do it um we didn't have the money that with the capital to go buy a hundred some odd shirts and all these different sizes and all these different colors and we could validate designs really fast i could upload a design on a, on a mock-up and put it live to our website in a couple minutes and if it went it went um but we couldn't control the customer experience we couldn't control the packaging couldn't control the like handwritten note um and the margins on that are trash because that company is taking most of the cut for the convenience fee of me not having to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we moved to hats and stickers pretty quick, uh, kind of simultaneously. And and with hats, um, you know the the margins are a little bit better. You know we weren't buying in big bulk or anything like that, so they weren't super great, but they were better than the shirts. And it's one size fits all essentially. You know we don't have to stock all this different all these different yeah. sizes. We really started to push hats and and you know, I'm a, a hat graphic designer. I went to school for graphic design and web media. So I designed like ninety-five percent of what is on our website. I've had a I have a two other uh subcontracted designers that I'll use for different designs that are out of my uh you know ability to do. And you know, we went we our first full year, because we started in June twenty twenty. So all of twenty twenty one, um, we did what we thought was really great until we hit twenty twenty two. And in twenty twenty two, we over 10x our our revenue <laughs> and we nice. we uh surpassed our forecast by uh almost 40 percent of what we thought we could do and you know we're like holy crap this is crazy so you know it, it is a numbers game as much as it's like creative creativity is the variable you still have to have like a good design i think what we learned going to trade show the, the first time last year we went to one in the wisconsin dells which we're doing that one again this year is that we we found that people that know us want to support us so they'll buy in people that don't know us, they see this antler and that can stand on its own. What I mean by that is they don't have to know us to buy our product. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I see with outdoor companies or brands are like, you know, hobbyists and podcasts is like, they'll put their logo on a hat and a shirt. And that's very, a pride. That's a very prideful thing. Seeing your brand come to life in, in like the form of apparel and hats is exciting personally. Like I'm, I totally yeah. understand that. But there's only so many people that are bought into your brand. So you're not going to scale that out beyond your immediate audience, family, friends, and listeners 
in a way that's going to like hit a market and and strike a chord. So by using what we have here, like that brings people into the podcast world and vice versa. So, um, you know, that's that's one interesting fact that like when people are at the trade show, they walk by and be like, oh, this is great. I want I want to get five hats for my grandpa because he'll love this. He shoots spikes every year and he doesn't care about antlers. And, uh, you know, so that was like interesting. People are like, oh, I listen to your guys' podcast. I want to pick up a couple hats. I love this stuff. I love you guys. This is great. So we're kind of hitting it from both ends. But beyond that, like, again, when I say numbers game, you go to a trade show and there a certain number of people will have to walk past your booth to convert into a sale. So like as a marketer, there's a, there's, you know, a funnel, you have top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnels, it's tofu, mofu, and bofu. And you're running ads against each parts of that funnel, which represent a customer journey. So if no one, no one's ever heard of you, the top of the funnel needs to be very um, obtuse, very just uh, brandy and not trying to get someone to buy a hat. You're trying to like teach them who you are. Middle of funnel, they're maybe in consideration mode. They're trying to decide and figure out, oh, what is, I want to learn more. Let me click onto this. And conversion is like, I'm going to buy something now. So we run ads and, and those ads have to have enough margin to sustain the customer acquisition cost. If, if the margin isn't there, like that model will not work because it costs you so much money to reach X amount of people. X amount of people are going to respond to an ad. And out of those people that actually get to your website, only a certain amount of those people are going to convert. So at the end of the day, if you don't have enough people that are going to convert against the number that you're trying to reach, it will the whole system will fall apart. So, you know, we continue to make moves to optimize our margins, bring more products in house. We just brought sweatshirts in house. We're literally actively working through that like this next week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to turn off like most of all the sweatshirts you see on our website because we're shutting down Printful for sweatshirts. And then the next move is shirts like t-shirts. And once we're done with that uh, this summer, we will have no more dropship product. It will all be in-house, yeah. which is challenging. But w- I couldn't have just started there. We had to slow roll this and place the bets and and double up where we could. So, you know, we started this thing with zero dollars. I think it was like 150 bucks out of my pocket and Tyler's pocket. And then once the 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 site made enough money, we paid ourselves back. So we're in at zero bucks, started with literally nothing. And now we're, you know, well, well into, you know, really, you know, I, I'm not, it's not like I don't come from anything with with ego. And if I do, I try to eradicate it because ego is the enemy in my opinion. But you know, we're we're into the six figures now as uh, as a business and I've not made a single penny. We're not paying ourselves. We're, it's all going back in into inventory and into yeah. podcast equipment and so forth. So, you know, someday I hope, like my wife is like, you know, you're putting all this effort into this thing. You can't go get a part-time job. It would be great to have more income in our household, but you're not making any money. And it's like you're working a part-time job and then some, like you're gone for these trade shows. You're doing this, you're doing that. So at some point, the goal would be for this to pay me. <laughs> Just, you know, it's going to be a while. It takes a business three to five years to get to a point where it can be that way. We're in year two and a half-ish. Yeah. So we're we're just getting started, you know. We're not even there yet. And I think people misconceive some of that stuff. It's, it's, there's a, a phenomenon called the the I think it's called the I don't know the, the phenomenon of latent potential. And the example is if if I were like in nineteen you know eighteen fifty two, and I had I don't even know what the fuck year it would be. Excuse my language for like when you had to bring an ice block into your house to put in your fridge. But if I had to go out in some some obscure example of getting ice out of the lake, a huge giant block, bringing it into the house and getting it to melt so I could boil water, what's going to happen is I'm going to have to also go out and chop wood. I'm going to have to light a fire, fire. And like the number of hours and, and the amount of effort and energy that goes into that, um, if I were to heat that room up to 32 degrees, and let's just say it's negative five in there when I started, 
that's a lot of work to get it from negative five to 32, but no one will see anything happen until it reaches 32, 33 degrees when that ice starts to actually melt. Yeah. I've been at this yeah. since 2013. No one's seeing anything yet. We still even hit 32 degrees with this ice cube. You know, so at some point, if it starts to melt, somebody's like, oh, you guys are over an overnight success. And I hope that happens. <laughs> but it certainly isn't something that happens overnight. It's taken a lot of work. It's taken a lot of hours and sacrifice and commitment and all that stuff. So, you know, I think we're just getting our start and hopefully we'll be that ice cube that starts to melt that people will notice in the next couple of years that we can kind of, you know, be officially indoctrinated into the community of the, of the whitetail world. I think we're just kind of on the fringes still. Yeah, it's it's really it's really tough. Um, it's on me. I knew I was going to have to work to try to get some kind of audience for, for my show and, and stuff. But I mean, I've, I've, I'm really big on networking and stuff. And so I had a lot of good contacts and stuff. And, and, um, and that's kind of where the idea for that, the podcast summit that I do every year down here in Texas was just kind of help kind of try to grow my show, but also help other guys that are starting out or, or have established shows, you know, try to, try to promote them as well. And so that's, that's been kind of our, our biggest thing. Um, yep. I, I know my buddy was saying, it's like, yeah, for, it's like, I read something somewhere where it was like five to seven years for a podcast to really be able to, to stick with it, to really have a good concrete audience and stuff like that. And it's like, it does take time. Like it's, it's really slow. And I think that's why there's so much turnover. Cause like you were saying earlier, it's like people think this would be cool and easy to do and they get in into it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work goes into making a podcast and just the equipment you got to buy and you can do it on the cheap, but I think people realize pretty quickly, like if you don't have good audio, like nobody's going to listen to it. You know, that's one thing I've, I've, I'm always noticing on, on some shows that I listen to is like, if I'm driving on the highway and I've got to crank my volume all the way up to hear what they're saying, I'll be like, man, it's like I'll message message and be like, hey, it's like because I had that problem. I was recording shows and um, not pumping up the volume enough to think about ambient noise and stuff like that. Because I mean, yeah, yeah. If you're sitting here at my desk, listen to it, no sound. It sounds great, but I get in a truck and I'm on the highway and I can't hear it. You know, and um, a lot of people don't yeah, think about one that. Of our, <laughs> one of the reviews we got was like, uh, "Content is great, audio quality sucks." And it was like a four star review. And I was like, that's the best review I've ever gotten because I can fix poor quality audio. I can't like produce better content if I suck at that. Yeah. Like at least you're interested enough that you're still sticking it through, through crappy audio that you're willing to listen to the meat of the, of the content. And then I think later on that month, I went and bought new mics and a mixer and I was like, "Ah, audio problem fixed. So now we have good audio and quality (laughs) or content of show. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, a uh, it's, it's a tough thing to grow and we're still, we're, there's people that are far off, far better than us. And I think we've gotten to a good groove, you know, we're, we're, our downloads are like super healthy, super consistent, but like we've been consistent. We've yeah. showed up every single Tuesday for the last two and a half years, you know? Yeah. So like people can depend on us. And, you know, if you start to get that momentum and you stop, people are like, Hey, where'd you go? And if you don't take care of that community, they're, they're going to go find that content somewhere else. It creates a vacuum. And they're still thirsty for that type of entertainment or that knowledge or whatever. So we continue to show up every single week. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people leave the the category. I see a lot of podcasters go because mm-hmm. they're like, man, no one wants to sponsor me or man, no one's listening. It's like, that's not why you're doing it. You yeah. like Gary Vaynerchuk, the, a mentor of mine that I've, uh, he's not literally a mentor of mine, but I've like, in my mind, he's a mentor. Uh, I get, I did get to meet him and, and spend some time up in New York with his team, but you know, he he talks about like love the process. 
if you don't love doing this stuff, you're just going to stop doing it if you're not going to reach these arbitrary goals that you're setting for yourself. I love doing our podcast. I love it. Mm-hmm. And do I always want to do it? Some do this. I'm like, man, I'd rather not. But I get down here and I do my thing and I pour up a bourbon. I chat with my buddies about deer hunting and we get to hear from people. And, and it's, a, it's, it's just great. I'm never not going to do it. You know, yep. I think it would be really hard if I, if I ever had to like stop podcasting. I would struggle with it because it's just been such a part of my life for the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the first podcast I recorded was with the Aaron Warburton from the hunting public. And that's the one thing he told me, he's like, you know, it's like we had to stay consistent putting out content to grow and then to see, you know, where they are today. I mean, it's just insane. Um, but, uh, and so, yeah, so like, I mean, I try to put one out every two weeks, you know, that's what my schedule will allow. Um, that's what you got to do. You got to, you got to do, you got to, you know, crawl before you can walk, walk before you can run. You got to do what you can do. And then from there, build on that. You know, if, if you can't increase it, do if you can't, don't like, as long as you can stay consistent, that's the name of the game. We, we finally got the stuff down to the pat that like we're adding on podcasts. Now we have a fishing one. We're, we're launching a third one in March. I'm not going to say the name yet because it's not. I want it to be kind of cool when it launches, but uh, it'll be in the duck and upland space. We got three guys hosting that one. I'm not a part of these other two in that sense, although I'm the guy putting the artwork out, helping with the post, yeah. producing the show and putting on the network and so forth. But I'm not a personality on the shows. I could probably pop in and hang out with those guys, but yeah. the deer hunting one is mine. Like that's my world that I love. I don't, I don't duck hunt or upland hunt and I, and I fish, you know, uh, recreationally. So yeah. like, that's it. Well, you're more than welcome to always come down here and uh, I'll take you fishing down here if you ever get down to Texas again. So, um, or at least we can go chase some pigs or something like that. So p- pigs, pigs are probably the, the one cool thing. Like you can chase them all year round down here. So um, yeah. everybody comes down and is like, can we go pig hunting? I'm like, yeah, sure. yeah let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're either going to show up or they're not. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. hopefully you like uh hot, sweaty boxes to sit in and lots of mosquitoes. So, but um but it's it's been good so man i appreciate you taking the time beyond today um why don't you just kind of share where we can find um you guys on social and stuff and and how to um your website and stuff as far as like um looking at y'all's merch and and everything yeah no thank you thanks for the opportunity and for for hosting uh the conversation and if anyone cares to take a look you know, just direct people to okstunner.com. You'll find everything you need there. It'll connect you to our socials. I will say, if I could push anything, it'd be our YouTube channel. Like, go subscribe. We're, we're focusing on that. We're putting out our, our show, as we're calling it, not the podcast, but like the, I don't want to call it a TV show because it's not on like network TV, but that's what we're aiming it to be like. So, um, yeah, check that out if you, if you care to see us and feel like you're hanging out with the, the OK Center crew. I think we got. Uh, three, four, five more episodes to go before that season gets wrapped up. So content out there, content out there pretty regularly. Otherwise, yeah, we're on TikTok and, and you know, Instagram, and Facebook and LinkedIn and Medium and <laughs> we're on Reddit. We're everywhere. We're, we're trying to be everywhere. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. Uh, it's always fun watching all this stuff and uh, uh, wish you guys nothing but the best in the future. So hopefully we'll get to hang out someday. Yeah, thanks a bunch. All right, thanks, Eric. All right, well, thanks for Eric for being on this week's show. And uh, make sure you go and check him out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, look up OKest Hunter. 
and uh, make sure you run over to their YouTube channel as well so you can see their new show over there and um, uh, really I uh, hope you enjoyed this week's episode and uh, we'll be back soon with the next show and really hope you guys are uh, enjoying the, the time in the outdoors you get right now it's uh, almost springtime so turkey season's almost here and uh, we got a lot of a lot of cool stuff lined up for this year for you guys to listen to so excited for that and we will see you on the next episode Seven to eleven PM Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.